The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Greetings and welcome to Capital Weekly's regular podcast. I'm John Howard. I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And our extra special guests, Jim Wasserman and his wife, Laura Wasserman. Or is it Laura Wasserman and her husband, Jim? There you go. There you i got to get that right. Okay. <laughs> and they are co-authors of this book, uh, which looks... I have not read it. I read about 20 pages of it. I couldn't print out the rest on that yeah. PDF you sent me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Who Saved the Redwoods? The Unsung Heroines of the 1920s. And and, for our redwood forest. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's kind of amazing. I didn't know they were involved in that at all. And I'm trying to picture these club women and these lumberjacks up there in Arcata and Fortuna sort of somehow getting together and negotiating and stuff. So um, Jim's a longtime veteran, a veteran newspaper uh, reporter and news reporter, Associated Press, McClatchy. Uh, and then you worked at the Little Hoover, mm-hmm. uh, Little Hoover Commission. Yeah. About five uh, years, Laura's, yeah. I'm sorry? About five years, yeah. yeah. God, was it that long? Wow. Yeah. Um, and Laura's a longtime researcher. You did institutional mm-hmm. research, environmental research. Uh-huh. I noticed in um, the little bio you've done campaign research, so you're a political beast as well as uh, a policy a, a person. Little, a little bit. When we lived in uh, Alaska, I was a campaign, the polling consultant on a gubernatorial race there in the Middle 80s. And, in Alaska? Uh, wow. Yeah. And then... Uh, Pre-Palin? Oh, way pre-Palin. <laughs> and then also um, exit polling. You know, uh, my oh, family yeah. had a market research company. So, uh-huh. so familiar. So that was you kind know, of a... Not an expert, but familiar. Sort of a comfortable segue into doing research on this. It's an amazing amount of research on this, uh, on this issue. Had no idea. It was so, there was so much there. Um, what, one question that came to my mind was, what happened in the early part of the last century, that somehow, it sounded to me like we reached, reached a, t- a tipping point, and there was a lot of interest all of a sudden in this. I'm, was it Muir? Was it TR? Uh, what was happening? It was, it was all of that. That was from like the 1890s on, that's when you had the creation of the Federal Forest Reserves, which led in 1905 to the creation of the, the Forest Service, uh-huh. and that paved the way for the National Park Service, and the National Park Service was run by a couple of Berkeley grads, uh, Stephen Mather and, and Horace Albright. So there was just this buildup because they had just leveled all the forests of the East Coast and the Midwest, and now they were pouring into California to take the, to take the bigger trees. And so there was this, this just a development of a consciousness, an environmental consciousness that you couldn't take everything. And then the women played mm-hmm. heavily into that. Uh, so how, how did they get involved? It's just as Theodore Roosevelt was beginning the conservation movement, the women became aware. And moving into the progressive era, we're not there yet, but moving in, women really were able to move outside of the home, outside of the local community, and started looking around. They're looking at watershed issues. They're uh-huh. looking at the environment for future generations of their family. And they really became politically active. They actually started uh, what we like to think of today as the modern environmental movement. And at this it point, was unbelievable. they couldn't even vote, correct? Correct. Well, California Depending was on the one state, of I the guess. first. Yeah, uh-huh. I think it was 1911 that we passed the, where the women could vote. Um, but they were just moving into, it was a small group of Humboldt County women's clubs that started like from Ferndale. They're called the Monday Club, the Friday Club. There were originally about seven of them. 
and it morphed from a local movement to a state movement to a national movement. And it was just wonderful, and this all happened in the 20s and 30s. What kind of response did they get, uh, at least initially, from like the Humboldt County Board of Supervisors mm. or the Del Norte County? Well, initially it was kind of a laughing issue, you know, and up to about 19... 19- 10 or so, you know, people had no concept of saving the redwoods for the future generations. But surprisingly, um, they had great inway with the Humboldt County Board of Supervisors. And we've named all those those supervisors mm-hmm. individually because they they were totally on board. They allocated more than 100 grand for uh, to buy wow. redwoods That's back a lot of in money 1920. Back it was, yeah. And uh, so they were fully on board. It was much different than it became later in the 60s and 70s when the, the local communities were hostile to the idea of a national park or, or taking land off the tax rolls. And uh, at the beginning, they were very supportive. And a mm-hmm. lot of women led, led the groundwork for that. Uh, you know, they were agitating constantly in their community and lobbying. And Where were the timber companies in all this? Well, surprisingly, some of these women were... You know, their families were involved in the oh, lumber yeah. industry, owners or, you know, uh, involved in the lumbering, and but they still proceeded with it. So for them, you know, this was a big decision. Um, and at one point they did back off, if I remember correctly. Um, Initially. Yes, yeah. yes. But they went through, you know, a whole process of um, little successes and then failures and ridicule, and but still, you know, maintained their um, aggressiveness and pulled it off. Now, can you talk a little bit about where we were as far as the survival of the Redwoods? Like, why did this happen when it did? I, I'm assuming, you know, my memory from history is that as soon as they discovered the Redwoods and the forest of California, they began logging them as fast as they basically could mm-hmm. and targeting some of the biggest trees. And... What caused it to happen when it did? Partially, and it was just the women's awareness that they, their total environment was being destroyed. And uh, mm-hmm. they wanted to do something about it and preserve it for future generations. And, and, it, had which they did. and it had been destroyed in yeah, Santa Cruz, a lot of that. Happened. Oh, yeah. The Bay Santa Area redwoods had all been leveled. Yeah. You know. yeah, they saw the disastrous effects of lumbering with no control. Uh-huh. Uh, so it that, seems like there was more collegiality in this earlier period than later. I, I know you mentioned the 60s and the 70s, and I, I remember the 90s going down and covering like the Spotted Owl and all mm-hmm. those, mm-hmm. Scotia, mm-hmm. Uh, all of those timber protests, and the community and the environmentalists were head-to-head. They were really not on the same, yeah. and I think partly the community, there was a lot of financing by the timber interest. Well, Pacific Lumber Company for sure was one of them. Um, but it just seemed like there was a lot of tension, a lot of head-to-head. It wasn't like this at all, where people, well, were, you know... There was confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, one of the reasons that we got started on this whole project was um, a trip that we had taken uh, in November, I believe, 2014, and we ran across while we were hiking a plaque of Laura Mahan, who uh-huh. is the woman who you know, went in and, and stood in front of uh, a tree to stop logging. So there, was, there, there were confrontations. And what year was that? Uh, 90 years ago, in November. 1924. Uh, yeah, 1924. Yeah. Did she stop the logging? I mean, yes, yes. yes. Her husband ran with a lawyer and uh, ran to town and got an injunction, and uh, they stopped the lumbering for the moment. So there were wow. confrontations, um, and they stood up to them, which is great. Actually, our story starts in, uh, let me see, uh, Carson Woods Picnic, uh, where the women were actually gathering to try and um, create the first national redwood park. 
Uh, they failed at that point, but that's when it began, 1913, which wow. is great. How, how long did it take, do you think, from that very first proposal, that idea, hmm. to actually get it into effect, to actually have it put into effect, established Redwood Protections, Redwood Park? Oh, boy. Ten years? Yeah. I, I would say yeah. ten years. Uh, the first the first money the first money to save redwoods came in 1921 and a lot of this action happened in Sacramento too which is really interesting because they uh they had tried through a, a local congressman John Raker to uh two times he put resolutions in congress to have just a national study commission come up to that area and and talk about the advisability of a national park and where it might go and those never neither of those bills ever got out of committee um, the problem with trying to create a Redwood National Park was different than all the other national parks because those were still federal lands, and all they did is draw a line around it and say this is the Sierra National Forest. But they had sold the entire 2 million acres of Redwoods, and so you, you had to buy them back at oh, inflated okay. prices. So that's why it was so mm-hmm. difficult. But in 1921, they had finally given up on the federal government and brought the action here and passed... Uh, a $300,000 allocation to the Redwood Preservation Bill, and uh, that was carried by a couple of Humboldt County representatives, and the women worked really, really hard on that. They were like the most effective lobbyists. And Mm -hmm. and $300,000, and then they put that money on the ground in a year and a half. The State Board of Forestry bought something like uh, 12 miles of Avenue of the Giants, what eventually became Avenue of the Giants. uh, Wow. So it was sixteen hundred acres they bought yeah. with that three hundred thousand. Did they? Um, did the state then get involved proactively in uh, protecting the trees, or was this the redwoods, or was this something just a one-off? And later they walked it, it back. Or? It well, no, it was a one-off. I mean, but you know, they bought the bought the redwoods, and then uh, and then the Save the Redwoods League had started getting contributions from from people, mm-hmm. and then, and then Laura did a lot of research on memorial groves. There was a lot of wealthy women that kicked in millions of dollars to, to buy memorial groves from the uh, old guild um, money from the east and newfound wealth and you know from the west coast and the interesting thing that but they saved a lot of acreage of, of the redwoods uh, the women that were donating um, the land and money to do this, but it took until 1935 for a grove to be named after a woman. Wow. So now, what they is were a memori- all named after men? Is a memorial grove something that's just named after someone who's passed? Right, uh, their families. You know, it would be like, and these are like um, the industries. You know, the mining, railroads, banking names that we would all recognize. You know, from the East Coast, old wealth. When the property was sold. And then bought back. Did the tim- timber companies make out like bandits? Were they the ones that bought the property in the first place? Yes. Well, they bought it from speculators. There oh, were speculators okay. that, that... So there's a cutout in between here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They, they cheated. Basically, all the land, land laws, you know, basically meant to settle the, lo- settle the West. were all exploited. And uh, <laughs> speculators got it all. And then the speculators sold it at higher prices to the lumber companies. And then the lumber company mm-hmm. sold it back to the state. So it was, it was a... There's always somebody. Was, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Somebody got to it early. Yeah, so you're saying nothing has changed, really. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. No, and they abused the Homestead Act yeah. and the Timber and Stone Act. You know, there were about three or four of them. So know, what's the, the Timber decades. and Stone Act? It's, it's like, I believe they were supposed to um, survey the land. And, and it, this was for um, agriculture, but they missed... Um, labeled some of the land that was supposed to be swamp land so it really had redwoods on it and they sold it it, it, it was just 
abuse all the way. It was a, a lot of fraud. Yeah, you were supposed yeah. to. You were supposed to like build a cabin in the woods, you know, on your 160 acres, and, yeah. and stay there and, for a certain and, amount of time. Got it. And they pulled people yeah. off of ships coming into Eureka and said, you know, go out there and put up a couple of sticks and a then, shack. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. And then and they then it all went to, to, to bigger it. people. Yeah. Yeah. So they, you know, they they had it going, and then of course the price escalates, and the state just the feds and the states just couldn't afford to buy the land back. Wow. Hmm. So we should mention here it, it, early that uh, there's only 5% of the original old growth left. I mean, so we're basically written a book about people that, that saved just a minuscule amount of, wow. of, of it's kind of irony. The irony is that it's such a small thing, but, but what's left does still attract millions of visitors from mm-hmm. around the world it, every Is that year. 5% of the original of all that? Of the acres? 2, million, yeah. 2 million acres, 5% wow. of the old growth is left. And, and that was basically the women's clubs that pushed to save that. That probably would not even be there because um, the Save the Redwoods League has done wonderful work, you know, and they came in about, they actually formed really 1918, but the women had been working on it, you know, a long time before that um, and got the ball rolling. So were, were some of those women also involved in the suffragette in the voting for so there was kind of a nexus here of that of activism do you think possibly I didn't really research that end of it but mm-hmm. I wouldn't doubt it um, it's just that that progressive era momentum helped propel them to be yeah. able to do what what they could do they were great at fundraising and organizing and this propelled you know from that local Humboldt um, County Women's Federation to the California State Federation of Women's Clubs, mm-hmm. all the way to the General Federation of Women's Clubs nationally, and then with the Garden Club of America, who jumped in and just escalated and took off. Uh, there was a, a lot of national, you know, help with this. It was a great story, really. And and the redwoods are protected now. Uh, the five percent you mentioned; those are all under protection, or are there are some that those aren't. Are in, most of that is in state in national parks yeah, but okay. uh, of the five percent there's still like 30 or forty thousand acres of private in privately owned oh, okay. yeah mm-hmm. and then save the redwoods league every now and then we'll buy you know 700 acres here and there you know some family that's had it in their family for years wow. and then decides to sell it and then they deed it for a state or a national park well they just did that in 2018 it's a richardson's grove it was a little bit over 700 acres and this was like pristine old growth redwoods that hadn't had tourists in it. it is yeah, that up in Humboldt County, you mean? No, I believe Sonoma. Sonoma, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. it's okay. a little north of San Francisco, but uh, I think they are going to allow tourism in there eventually. But this is like a pristine, you know, 700 acres of old yeah. redwoods. And you, you mentioned uh, Pacific Lumber earlier. And oh, yeah. They were the main lumber actor in the 1920s as well. They, oh, they had 60,000 acres of redwoods up there. And uh, and they had the best and the biggest of them. So mm-hmm. everybody wanted their property. And they were like jumping and squirming every which way to like throw the environmentalists and these women off track, you know, so that, that they wouldn't get it. But uh, uh, because they had, you know, a 50-year business plan, as they said, to to uh, log the forest and, and ship the, the logs out for export. And, and, uh, and all these environmentalists wanted their land. And eventually they did sell about... Uh, 12,000 12, acres, oh, okay. you know, the, the best. The Bull Creek, uh, uh, a lot of the Humboldt mm-hmm. Redwood State Park Dyer is Hill theirs, yeah. Well, I remember some of the environmentalists up there saying that um, they had actually liked Pacific Lumber. When Pacific Lumber was sold, 
it was taken over, I think, by Maxim, by yeah. Bernie Hurwitz and Maxim. Yeah. Practices changed, a lot changed. At yeah. least that was the story they Yeah, had. they learned how to be more responsible in the 1920s. They, they were sort of at, at the at the outer, at the peak, or the, they were better environmental type. Right. Not great, but I mean, they didn't cut everything. They didn't clear cut, that's what I mean. Yeah. Well, so today everything is pretty much built with dug fur. It seems like that's sort of the standard. What uh, what were they building with redwoods back then? Were they using it for regular everything. housing? Oh. Everything. Um, there's a great, uh, who wrote that paragraph it? where it's like everything in his life um, had been made of redwood, you know, wow. um, things in his house and the cradles and toys. Pencils. They were using yeah. redwood for everything. Wow. Grape stakes, uh, yeah, railroad grape stakes, ties. Fencing. Yeah. fencing, yeah, I remember yeah. fencing. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, it's, it's interesting what you were talking about, the Homestead Act, but and this has nothing to do with redwoods, but I do remember an example of how that was scammed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was in Kern County. Anything you could cross... Uh, with your wagon, at one point you could get because mm-hmm. there was nobody. They wanted people coming in there, yeah. and there's this one area that was flooded out. Mm-hmm. And so a local, I think his name was Kurt. Yeah, <laughs> he put his he put his wagon in a boat and floated. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Three story. laughs> And thus Bakersfield was born. Well, yeah, <laughs> how creative. Yeah, <laughs> so that's great. The Headwaters Forest was a big uh, an issue for many years. Is mm-hmm. that? Uh, is that like a protected entity that still yeah. exists? Is, yeah. Is there a forest park or? No, I don't believe that. BLM has it now, uh, the Bureau of Land Management, uh, and they don't really allow a lot of tourism in there. You can go, you know, with scientific groups and things like that, but not wholesale traffic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That actually reminds me of one other thing. You know, by the by, the late 1920s, you know, they had been pretty successful. I think they, these people saved, between 1919 and 1934 saved 30,000 acres. So that was sort of the foundation of it all. But by the late 20s, it was all getting tromped by tourism. You know, then tourism actually created a new problem of people stomping around on these the routes mm-hmm. and things like that. So that's when they had done a big study and suggested putting trails in and all that. And there was so. a lot of other ground foliage that's just natural. I mean, when you walk into a pristine, you know, a piece of old redwood growth and see it, you know, it's so much undergrowth that and I it sounded like everyone was trampling everything, mm-hmm. you know, not only the roots but everything else that was coming up. Now, when so that was the, a whole new problem. When did the tourism start for the redwoods? Mid nineteen twenties and early nineteen twenties. Uh, I think the people there were a couple of million cars in California at wow. by oh the early nineteen twenties, and they had passed a bond issue here in Sacramento. I mean, the entire state a ten million dollar bond issue to build the Redwood Highway one hundred one. That was mm-hmm. the origins, and so one hundred one had all these redwoods along the sides, and and when World War One ended. That's when the lumber companies started coming in and just cutting trees right along the road, and that's what appalled everybody. It was like that was really sort of the genesis yeah. for for women the and catalysts. the locals. It was like, my God, we have this tourist highway, and you're cutting down on the trees on both sides of it. And yeah, and that what, was about 1928 when um, they had done a study uh-huh, um, yeah. and, and what to do with it. And it's like this great quote from. A, Emilio Meineke uh, in 1928, and it said, if the redwoods were merely saved from the axe to fall victim to the slow but fatal change in their living conditions brought about by tourist travel, the main purpose of creating the parks would certainly fail. 
And that's after yeah. he had written the report. That That's another thing, the eloquence of the writing uh, as we were researching this from both the women and men, everybody, was just astounding. You know, you just don't see writing. You, there are writings like that now, but it just seemed to be so much more common. Um, and we just ran across during our research. I mean, it took us four and a half years to research this book. Oh, wow. Um, wow. So, you know, a lot of libraries, the Bancroft, the California State History Library, yeah. uh, a lot of um, newspapers, Humboldt Standard and Times, and and actually club bulletins and magazines. It, it was just a great trail. You know, one string led to another. You know, uh, it was very exciting to research it. But the writing that you come across while you're reading some of these things. Uh, pre-internet, pre-digital, pre-online. Pre-TV. Yeah, yeah. Pre-TV, pre, you know, I, there it, was radio. And, but, yeah. and they had these classical educations that people yeah. don't have now, so right. they would make all these lofty references to the Greeks and the Romans. Oh, it was, and it was one of them wrote, you know, you wouldn't tear down the pyramids to put paving stones in the streets of Cairo, <laughs> why would you cut down these trees for railroad ties? And it was just, mm-hmm. just uh, a really, the, the book, if nothing else, has a lot of beautiful writing in it that was done by others. And, the, and we yeah. did put the quotes in. I, yeah. I ran across this one great book called The Quest for Kuala Walu, which is actually a Native American, one of the Native American names for Humboldt Bay, because once oh. they discovered Humboldt Bay, that was pretty much the beginning of the end. And um, this, this is a book of description of um, early explorers and sailors that went up and down the coast. And there's an 1804 description from a captain about seeing the redwoods for the first time, which is just astounding. You know, it's not like the end of it is like, oh. here nature reigns supreme kind of thing, you know. That's hard to imagine. 1804. Captain William Shaler it was like a lot of good stuff like that. Yeah. Did um, when World War II came along, was there a demand to get redwood for war purposes and for military? Uh, I think so, but I'm not sure much about that. Uh, the, it, uh, I think it slowed down actually during the war, mm-hmm. and then it really exploded afterwards, in the 50s and 60s. Uh, yeah, yeah. Afterwards, it really yeah. picked up. Yeah. Well, that's and the housing was, construction and all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a proposal uh, in the late 1940s for a 2.8 million. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, 2.8 million acre uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, National Forest that would encompass all that redwood country. Ooh, wow. And it was carried by Senator Helen Gahan Douglas, uh-huh. yeah. the one that Nixon beat the in, pink lady. in 19... Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She carried that bill twice in it, and it just it stirred up the North Coast to no end. All the chambers of commerce said, no way you're going to take that much land out of our tax base and the legislature here backed them and so that both times that's that just sort of died yeah. but again as a woman with a vision mm-hmm. that just got knocked down you know if that had happened my gosh it would be an entirely different northern california now that state of jefferson would be a completely different place <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and it, one other thing politics wise most in the people in our book are mostly republicans this is all early progressive republican tr and all that stuff uh, the, uh where was hiram johnson on all this he didn't really there's mm. we didn't find much about him in the redwoods i don't know why uh, but there wasn't much of him I don't. Uh, I don't picture Hiram Johnson going out into the forest. The, well, yeah, he's the not grumpy, an outdoorsy type. Yeah. yeah, but he was. I think probably the most prominent progressive in California at that yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. The VP, his uh, Roosevelt's VP choice. Yeah. So. so as far as governors go, there was a governor Henry Gage who who approved two hundred and fifty thousand for redwoods in Santa Cruz in nineteen hundred. Then there was another uh, James Gillette, I believe his name was in. 
1908 who vetoed 100,000 for redwoods up in Armstrong Woods. They wanted to, to sell them to the state. He vetoed it because he said, we can't take care of this. And then in 1921, that was Governor William Stevens who approved the uh, 300,000. And he was reluctant to do it because they were running out of, running out of uh, money to, for schools. He said, we need the money. And they were running a deficit. And his wife was a member of, of the women's clubs in Los Angeles, and she mm-hmm. got on him, and he yeah. signed it. And, and, oh, oh, he got signed it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's you signed it, and your whole political. life's going to be miserable. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> they, so. they were very good with the politics as well as the fundraising. It's mm-hmm. like very good. Were yeah. they both Democrats and Republicans or mostly Republicans? Mostly I mean, Republicans at that time, in Republicans that time. were the landowners, yeah. largely. So. Yeah, but, uh, but they had that progressive conservation mm-hmm. spirit going. That was a Republican idea. Yeah. yeah. Did the transportation funding get in? I mean, when they made that road, uh, were there attempts to make other roads to start, you know, sprinkling roads through the redwood forests? Or not so I much. Think I don't so. think there was, but there was a lot of. There were several bills to condemn the property on both sides of these highways. You know, where the redwoods yeah. were to um, to to keep those screens to mm-hmm. keep them beautiful. But those all got defeated because it was eminent domain. What do you think is more valuable? I mean, uh, if a timber company harvests redwoods then, back then, and then sold them, or if the redwoods were protected for tourist purposes, I wonder if you'd make more money with a redwood stand that was available to tourists than the timber company would be cutting them down and selling them at a one-time. No, oh, those were issues, you know. They were discussed, you know, yeah. because they were a lot of other, uh, like, native sons of the Golden West. I think they always thought this should be a tourist thing. Uh-huh, you know, yeah. there were a lot of different organizations that were involved in this. Yeah. yeah. Well, the humble. You were saying they were fighting the idea of having a state park or a national park. Now it would probably be the exact opposite. If you were going to pick a national <laughs> yeah. park or a state park, I'm sure the locals would be like, this is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where it'd the money is. It would be interesting to see how Times that would change. play out now in the yeah. current political climate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it would be expensive. It would be expensive. It would, yeah. be, a, it would be a fight. You, yeah. you know it would be a fight. Yeah. Yeah, but there was uh, one instance of the, in late 1920, or the mid-1920s, one of the newspapers up there, the Humboldt Times, I believe, had a, a Humboldt Standard because it was owned partially by a woman. and uh, Now the Eureka Times Standard. Yeah, exactly. And they, uh, they were talking about the tourism thing, and she was saying that to allow the... the uh, the trees to be cut down was insane. You know that for the good for good business, you know, save the trees, yeah. prosperity, save our redwoods to preserve our prosperity. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, they cut them all down after that. And you could see what happened to places like Eureka, which were a beautiful Victorian home city, and now it's kind of down in the. I mean, it's coming back, but it it wow. suffered. <laughs> but they were just such visionaries because they said yeah. this should be preserved for future generations. You know, and. I, you know, in my mind, I go, thank you, because they wouldn't be there for us had all That's of true. these yeah. um, groups and organizations not pushed for it. Yeah. Uh, and to think of that then, when you're a few people, you're scattered population, surrounded by all those forests and stuff, the idea that you mm-hmm. want to save them and protect them, mm-hmm. to a lot of people living up there is probably anathema. They didn't want to do that, yeah. you know, to push that idea through. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, if anybody, if any of our thousands of listeners would like to buy this book, it's twenty two ninety five at Amazon. I bought one this morning, by the way, because I right. couldn't Thank read that you. PDF file. Thank, <laughs> Thank you very much. And can you buy it locally anywhere? Is there anyone? Uh, not in the bookstores no. here, because it's more of an academic press kind of book, so that they don't have the financing doesn't seem to work for local bookstores. But we're getting it into all these visitor centers at the uh, mm-hmm. state parks. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And uh, we're working on getting it in national parks too. That takes a while, but uh, it's under review though, like with Yosemite, and it's in. Uh, I would say uh, probably about four or five visitor centers now. And uh, we're That's doing great. presentations at the Clark Historical Museum again in December. And uh, That's right. at the you have visitor one center also in the Red Avenue of the Giants. So. And then what do you have in January? You have one in January as well, don't you? Yes. We'll, we'll in be, San Francisco? Uh, yes, with the California Historical Society yes. okay. presentation. Yeah. So we're excited about that one. Mm-hmm. Well, Laura Wasserman, Jim Wasserman, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, This is John Howard with Tim Foster, and we will see you next time around. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.